Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Matt. And welcome to Going Pear-Shaped on AudioEntropy.com, a podcast about whatever we feel like talking about. And you may have noticed that we've been gone for a while. A long time. Yeah, yeah. So so this podcast, let's just, let's just say it out of the way, it's on a weird, let's call it a pseudo-hiatus, where we're not even going to have a schedule anymore. It's just... Whenever Matt and I feel like talking about something, we'll we'll record a fucking thing. It's it's just whenever we feel like it. And we promised the people that we would record a Chic Hydrobot episode. Damn and to right that we end, did. We are recording the goddamn Chic Hydrobot episode. Yeah, we we have a score to settle. We need with to this settle the score with this fucking piece of shit robot. Yeah, and you know what? He's he's back. He's on the tip of everybody's tongues. Uh, he 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 got brought back because like H Bomber guy did that fucking woke brands video. It, like everyone is like Schick Hydrobot mania. It, his is back. It's in wait, full form. Wait, was the Schick Hydrobot a woke brand? I never saw. No, that but it was it was an video. example. It was it was a weird thing. Okay, but yeah. So let's 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 get down to brass tacks. Let's talk about the Schick Hydrobot. Okay, but before we talk about the Schick Hydrobot. Yeah. We need to first talk about the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Game Awards, obviously, where the Shik Hydro Bot was originally announced. I think it was 2015. You have the information on this, I'm sure. But you know what else was uh, announced at the Game Awards? What? The first official gameplay trailer for V and Devil May, the recently released action game from Capcom, Devil May Cry 5. Now, hold on. Yeah? Is he named V because it's Devil May Cry 5? Uh, I can't talk about that. And you can't make me. Okay. Now I do. I do. Uh, I do want to clarify. Well, I, I want to have something clarified. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions because I, I'm, sure. I'm a total noob, more or less, to the Devil May Cry franchise, with one major exception, and that's yep. actually what my question pertains to. Yeah. Uh, so, how is this as the hotly anticipated sequel to one of my favorite games, if not my single favorite game, DMC Devil May Cry? Oh, you have bad taste, and we can't be friends anymore. Now, That's let's be fair. You've known I've had bad taste the entire time we've been friends. I have. And if I'm being real, DMC Devil May, DMC Devil May Cry is one of those fucking weird games for me because you either fucking love that game, you think it's the best in the series, you think old Devil May Cry was shitty and controlled like garbage, or you think DMC Devil May Cry is just like watered down garbage that's just like the most obnoxious they live by way of Banksy bullshit you've ever seen in your life. And I'm apparently the only motherfucker who sits down and is just like, it was okay. It's better than one and two. It's not as good as three, four, or five. And that's, I, I liked it. 7.5 or 8 out of 10 is where I'd put it. And that's just kind of that. You, you know what I'll say? I think DMC Devil May Cry is kind of a weird chameleon of a game in the sense that however you felt about it is how you were expecting to feel about it for the most part. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's true because I went into that game with that attitude of, okay, I'm probably not going to like this game anywhere near as much as three or four, but it still looks like a reasonably fun game. And that's really what I got out of that game. Yeah. There's, there's kind of nothing to it. Like if you, if you were the sort of person who saw like the, 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 the pre press releases and you were like, Oh, it's, it's a, weird like edgy emo take on dmc and they're doing a, a they live thing and like hey they have a cutscene where two characters say fuck you back and forth at each other for a bunch and that's kind of funny like 
you go into that like expecting that kind of thing. And if you're the kind of person who sees, oh god damn it, it's this weird edgy take on on Devil May Cry, and there, and and like there's a scene that fucking sucks, or two characters say fuck you back and forth at each other for a while. Well, you're gonna have a bad time. That fuck you scene is such a perfect litmus for letting you know if you're gonna like the tone of that game or not. By the way, absolutely, it, yeah, it's 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 the part of the game that people talk about the most, with the exception of the not in a million years gag. Uh, although that's a whole other kettle of fish, <laughs> but like that, yeah, that fuck you scene—it really is a microcosm of the whole thing. Either yeah. you think, either you think that's hilarious in how terrible and faux edgy it is, you think it's offensive in how edgy and faux terrible it is, or you're just like, oh, yeah, or you're just that, like, that, or sure, that sure is yeah. internet humor, I guess. Yeah, or you're like me, and you're like, and you, you chuckle and you go, eh, that was kind of funny, I guess, and just move on with your life. And that was pretty much my reaction to that game as a whole. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted. Yeah, we, no, we need to get, no, we need to get back to talking about DMC5 so that we can get back to talking about talking the Shikai Shik Hydro Bot. So. Yes, yes, correct. So, Devil May Cry 5, um, really, really fucking good. Really good. Um, you know, I'm glad to hear it. I'm not yes. invested in the series at all, but I'm really glad to hear fans are happy. Go yeah, that's, it, man. that's kind of one of the things, is right? Like, Devil May Cry fans are really weird because they're really whiny and they're really obnoxious, and I. I'm the same way. They're really whiny, nitpicky, and obnoxious, but they're also one of the only fan bases I can think of where they actually understand what they want, and they actually understand what makes the games they like fun. Like, they can actually point to why Devil May Cry 4's combat engine is so much better than, like, DMC Devil May Cry's, and they actually have good reasons for that. Um, yeah. and it seems- in, in most other series, is like, if there was a situation, like, with DMC 2... Where like there's a there's an entry in the series that everyone just kind of thinks is bad. Most of the fandom probably couldn't articulate why, but like yes. every DMC fan I I've talked to can ar- articulate specifically why DMC two sucks. Yeah, and they'll point to stuff like there's this really nonsensical emphasis on parkour. The enemy AI is fucking broken. The level design is like way too spacious and open for no reason. Um, the, the humor just, like, isn't there for the most part. There, you know, like, actual reasons not to like a thing. And it's kind of a similar tack followed with Devil May Cry 5, which I also have a few complaints with. But on the whole, this is kind of the sequel that everyone's been waiting for. And it seems like a bunch of the people who liked DMC Devil May Cry liked this game as well, which is really, really fucking neat, actually. Yeah, Um, which... It, it's it's surprising, especially because like if you are a fan of DMC Devil May Cry, and you see that like initial announcement where where the guy comes out and is like, hey, so this is the sequel to DMC Four you've been waiting for, you know the the first sequels to DMC Four because there hasn't been another one since you might feel a little bit you know brushed aside and and slighted somewhat. Yeah, but you know no, it's by all accounts it's fucking great. Yeah, and. Credit to Capcom, where do they didn't real Capcom's relationship with DMC Devil May Cry is one of the weirdest fucking things, right? Because it was a game that actually reviewed fairly well, and it didn't sell well, but it didn't like completely bomb either. And it, for better or worse, developed a genuinely devoted fan base of people who love that entry in the series and think it is the best entry in the series, bar none. I'm obviously not one of them, but I still think that was worth, like, looking into and respecting, and it appears that Capcom's largely done the same thing. There yeah. aren't really... You, you know what's, what's weird? Like, this just clicked in my head. What's up? 
and I know, and I have a feeling this is going to have nothing to do with the final product. The trajectory of the relationship between Capcom and DMC Devil May Cry and Devil May Cry Five and the DMC fandom and the original creator and all that stuff really closely mirrors everything that happened with Sony and the 2016 Ghostbusters and the recently announced next one. Because, like, that's kind of what happened with that one, is that was one where, like, you pretty much decided in advance if you were going to hate it or not. And then it came out, and it was just kind of okay. And then, like, a couple years later, they're like, hey, we're doing a proper sequel now. And it's like, you're just going to pretend the last one didn't happen then, I guess? I I guess. And that, yeah, that's another case where it's like, even as a person who wasn't super hot on that movie, like, it wasn't so bad you need to just pretend it didn't happen. I yeah, I, I guess that had the additional wrinkle of, like, generally speaking, how you felt about DMC Devil May Cry wasn't entangled in, like, a political act. That's true. But, like, it's on in, a, in, in the broad which strokes, is, I feel like that... Which is doubly yeah. fucking weird, because that game's actually willing to be very blatantly political, so that gets even more fucking bizarre. Y- you go, you literally enter into Fox News and murder a, a flimsy oh, like, stand-in for fucking... Uh, Bill O'Reilly. For Bill like, O'Reilly, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> it's really kind of bizarre, actually, that we didn't see more, like, this SJW fucking trash... Yeah, with it, that that's, fucking that's the, game. That's the weird thing about that game is that game is like really like anti corporate, anti right wing media, anti military industrial complex. And but it's, it's super it's, in your face about it too. Yeah, it's not subtle. And but the thing is, it's it goes about it in kind of an immature, kind of whiny way, which softens the blow, blow for both good and ill. Yeah, it's it's really like. I know there are some people who really like the writing style of that game. I personally could never fucking make heads or tails of it at all. Yeah. And also, I I, I feel like it's, at the same time, the kinds of people who would be on board with that kind of message, like the real, like, angry leftist political people, you know, like 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 us, basically, Hi. you know, would, would be on board with that. And then you get to the sniper rifle abortion scene. <sighs> that scene... Oh boy! Everybody, God, <laughs> everybody who's like the writing in the new game is better. You just point to that, and they're like, "Oh God!" Like th- those are four words that, like, like I mean, we talk about the "fuck you" scene, but like, I, I feel like most people didn't even get to that scene. Yeah, the thing is, you'd already made up your mind about that game at that point. For the most yeah, that's part. like that's like th- that happens like right before like I don't know. You've got two levels left at that point. Yeah. Anyway, we've. I'm sorry. I keep derailing you into talking about DMC Devil May Cry. You've barely gotten to talk about five. No, and we still need to get through that so we can talk to, about the Shik Hydra. Shik Hydra robot. I know. God, no, it's fine. And like one of the weird things about five, talking about five though, is talking about DMC Devil May Cry is kind of an inevitability, right? Because yeah. it it very much set the stage for Devil May Cry five. Not only in terms of like fan expectations, but all, it also set the stage for it in terms of like stylistic choices with that game as well. Because yeah, they it is it is took, an inextricable part of the discourse. Yes, they actually and they actually took a bunch of aesthetics from that game. Like Devil May Cry five is a noticeably darker and a noticeably more violent game than Devil May Cry's three and four. It's also like I don't want to say I guess it's a like a little more mature overall, but it's still an incredibly stupid, like, anime game, and I think that's actually why people liked it so much, is it felt like the game and that series has kind of grown up 
in a way that's not like, oh, throw that old fucking gay cowboy shit in the garbage like they did with DMC Devil May Cry, which is still one of the worst fucking cases of no homo guys I've ever fucking seen with a marketing team. That Jesus that God. was this like there was some really like fucking foot in mouth moments with the PR for that game. Gay cowboy was the the pinnacle of that mm. to the point where like uh, they fucking I guess lampoon it in. Yeah. In fucking DMC 5. Yeah, it's, it's the only cheap shot they take at DMC Devil May Cry in the entire game, and it is fucking amazing. Honestly, if there's any part of DMC Devil May Cry that you absolutely should make fun of, it's fucking that thing. That, yeah, yeah, that's, that is, abs- like, it's a cheap shot, but it's totally fucking earned. DMC Devil May Cry did that one to itself. But yeah, it's... But otherwise, like, when, like, uh, the main man behind uh, Devil May Cry 5 at Suno, when he says that he actually liked DMC Devil May Cry and he actually thought certain aspects of that game were really good and were worth keeping around, I fucking believe him. Because not only did they incorporate a bunch of stuff stylistically, but it also feels like there are some mechanics that they incorporated in Devil May Cry 5 as well. Like, enemy clashing or, like, parrying enemy attacks with your own attacks was like a big defensive thing in DMC Devil May Cry and that has very much been carried over into Devil May Cry 5 and it feels good like you you're aggressive it's aggressive defense basically and it feels really good in the way I really like the way they incorporated it um for the most part mechanically this is way more 4 and 3 than it is um DMC Devil May Cry which is to be expected it was designed as a sequel to 4 clearly but yeah and it's pitched as a return to form so yeah but they di- they didn't just completely throw DMC Devil May Cry under the bus um and the end result is a game that kind of becomes the middle ground that the, one of those rare middle ground games that satisfies everybody like DMC Devil May Cry fans seem to enjoy it for the most part maybe they don't like it as much as DMC Devil May Cry but they still from what i found really like that game and people like me who are old school fans are like, fuck yeah, this is the Devil May Cry I've been waiting for. And it yeah. was the Devil May Cry I've been waiting for. And the thing is, pleasing people who want, like, giving people who wanted a follow-up to DMC4 and a follow-up to DMC Devil May Cry, like, you're not going to be able to 100% please either group, but managing to really please the former group while still, you know, keeping the latter group happy enough is a fucking miracle. That is a hell of a line to walk. Yeah, and that game pretty, pretty tightly walks that line. And it's really impressive to see in action. Like, that that game is fantastic. Um, and if you like character action games, I can kind of just recommend it to anybody. I guess that's my review, is it's really good, go play it. You don't really need the context for, well, you kind of need the context from the other games in the series. But they literally have, like, an eight-minute-long, here's what happened in the series prior to this point video. So even if you go into that as your first one, or if you go into that directly from DMC Devil May Cry, you don't have any pre-existing experience, you're not going to be too lost. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's kind of my overview of Devil May Cry 5. It was worth the wait, and thank God for that, because I've been waiting a long, long time for a sequel to Devil May Cry 4. And like I said, I liked the MC Devil May Cry well enough, but I I really wanted this return to form, and they hit the ground running with it. All right, awesome. So how do you think now that now that they're they're back in the saddle, they've they've got back the, the original director, like just about all the fans are happy. Everyone's screaming about, like, yeah, Capcom is back, baby. Yeah. How do they fuck this up? Uh, they make Street Fighter Six and they make it shit. It's that 
Okay, fair. Yeah, Asked I, and I, answered. I, I think that's I think that's the easiest way to do it because now everyone's saying, oh, now if they can do this for their fighting game division, it Capcom will really be back. So I think fucking up a fighting game is the easiest way to immediately make people realize, oh, right, ever like Capcom isn't like this magic entity that just shits out the best games ever made. Um, although in fairness's name, I can't really blame people for thinking that. Uh, and kind yeah. of buying into the hype because Monster Hunter World wasn't my sort of game, but it was really well made. Um, Devil May Cry 5, I've obviously made my feelings on that game known. Um, I mean, I will say fucking, up? like, Monster Hunter World exploded, like, like just, and, and again, I haven't played it. This is someone looking at it from the outside. It is unbelievable how this series that has been around for decades that no one had been talking about, all of a sudden, everybody loves it. Yeah, and an iconic monster from it makes an appearance as a boss in Smash Brothers and Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah, like that. That it's crazy. It's it's a little bit like Fire Emblem, actually. I guess, except with Fire yeah. Emblem, there was at least the excuse that well, most of the games weren't even localized. There was no way for American people to know who the fuck Marth was unless you literally imported, like, the consoles and games. But that, but that you mentioned Marth, and that's the thing, is Fire Emblem got the Smash Brothers push. Yeah. Th- that's very true, actually. Like, Monster Hunter, it's just like, okay, we're making this Monster Hunter game, and it's gonna be, like, the most successful thing ever. And then they released it, and it was, like, the most successful thing ever. Like, yeah, it's not supposed to work that well, but... <laughs> There you go, I guess. But yeah, between like Monster Hunter, Devil May Cry 5, and the absolutely phenomenal Resident Evil 2 remake, um, which was just... Did you play that? I did not. Okay, we won't go too far into it because I don't want to take up too much time because I, we got to talk about the Shik Hydrobot. I mean, go Evil, for it, man. We'll, we'll get to the Shik Hydrobot. We'll fucking the, get to him. The Resident Evil 2 remake was fucking phenomenal. Like, that was one of those games where I didn't realize, like... I, that was one of those games where I played it through basically to completion, and then I just kept it, and I just like kept thinking not only about how good the mechanics of that game are and how good the presentation is, but also about how it's weird that Capcom actually learned how to write really interesting stories in their games. Huh. They learned how to write at some point, and I don't know when that happened because it literally is. Somebody just, like, walked into the warehouse and, like, flipped the good writing switch on, like, their game development division. And it's, like, they went from just writing, like, total fucking nonsensical crap, like, you literally beat people to death with your wife who is your arm, to, like, really kind of, like, goofy, campy, but nonetheless really intense and interesting, like, character stories with, like, really likable protagonists and villains and just, like super snappy scripts that are that are serious enough that you have like real skin in the game and you give a shit about what happens to the characters and the stories but are also campy and self-aware enough that they're not like totally up their own ass and just like fucking stupid and they they nail that kind of tone consistently in both Resident Evil 2 and Devil May Cry 5 and wow. the fact that they can do that twice it's just like who I actually need to, like, look at the credits and see who's writing for these games, because seriously, like, shout-outs to whoever it is, because damn. This is actually, like, I'm really surprised to hear that this is the thing you're praising, because, like, yeah. the last time someone complimented a Resident Evil game for its writing, 
It was RE4. It was RE4. And it was and that even wasn't even like the original like writing or the original story. That was basically the English localization team going, you know what? This is fucking stupid. This is just add a bunch of jokes. Let's roll with the punches. And then they did. Although Let's, let's take this. Let's take this opening scene where Leon just goes, oh, "What's going on?" Where you know, and just make him say some shit about bingo. Bingo, and it's so fucking stupid. Oh, and don't forget the best, the most underrated Resident Evil Four line um, is when Salazar, or I think it's uh, no, it's Sadler, is when Sadler says he's sending his right hand after you, and Leon just quips, "Your right hand comes off," and it's the dumbest fucking thing. And it it's really, so it really sells you. It sells you this idea of Leon, who like thinks he's the star of an action movie, and he absolutely has the physical ability to yes. be the star of an action movie. Yes. but he's not witty enough to do it. He's yeah. just not. Fucking, he's a fucking goober. I, I I absolutely love that they play that. That they absolutely start setting that up and play that off in Resident Evil Two as well, because in like Resident Evil Two, he's like. Notice he's still a pretty competent like police officer and he clearly is like trained and he's like really really competent like he knows how to handle weapons and deal with dangerous situations but oh, he's so I wouldn't want to f- I wouldn't want to be up against Leonis Kennedy in a fight but also oh, no. he's the world's biggest dork No yeah no he's he's such a dork and like when you I guess minor minor spoilers for Resident Evil 5 but when you final or not Resident Evil 5 uh, Resident Evil 2 remake minor spoilers when you finally kill the alligator in his scene he just, like, tries, you can tell, and it's perfectly scripted. He's like, take that, you overgrown son of a bitch. And it's like, you can just tell, it's like, oh, you know he was just thinking, okay, Leon, say something cool in front of Ada. Say something cool in front of Ada. And then he says it, and he's like, yeah, got it. And it's like, oh my god, this guy <laughs> is fucking such nailed a dork. It. <laughs> uh, it's so good. It's so good, god. And then, like, but at, like, the same time, though... Like, there's that really corny stuff, but then you also have, like, the, the dialogue scenes with, like, Marvin, who's, like, the injured police officer still in the station who's, like, trying to get everybody out alive. And it's very apparent, and this is spoilers too, I guess, minor, it's really obvious, it's very apparent that Marvin's not going to make it out of that game alive. And, like, the scenes vert with him and Leon are, like, really, like, genuinely good. There's, like, a lot of tension, and you can tell Marvin's trying to ride the line, between be between like giving Leon guidance because he clearly cares for him and also kind of being a hard ass and being like, look, you need to get I am not going to make it out of this alive. You need to get the fuck out of the station and get help because this is happening whether you like it or not. And those scenes are really good, too. And the fact that they can nail those both of those kinds of scenes and like go back and forth between them and have it not feel awkward is just like like. It's a well-written Resident Evil game. Like, what the fuck? Oh, nice. God. Yeah. Uh, alrighty. I think that's enough talking about uh, Capcom's exploits, though. We're we're all over 20 minutes in at this point, and we haven't talked about the Shik Hydra bot. So I think we're about ready to get to that. Well, uh, actually, before we get to the Shik Hydra bot, and we will. Oh, shit. We okay. will. It's super okay. important. Right. Uh, I actually uh, want to talk about what I've been doing. Oh, what's up? And uh, to the surprise of no one, like, in spite of the fact that the last episode we did was a long, long time ago, nothing has changed in terms of what game I'm playing. Because uh, this is something that Matt can attest to, because, like, you you have been playing, like, we've been friends, we've been playing games together for years and years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a very, like, obsessive personality. Like, I hyper fixate on a single game, and that is yep. my game until it is no longer my game. 
Yeah, it's kind of like uh, previous. Previous, I can say words. Previously, it was like Smite, where we were like we were like grinding matches that that game out like fucking constantly. Yeah, uh, Smite was overtaken by Overwatch for a while until Emily got me to try FF14. Uh, before Smite, it was SMNC until that game basically died. Before that, it was TF2. Yep, I played a lot of fucking TF2. Yes. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so with FF14, I've gotten so balls deep into that game. I have capped every job and class in that game, including the gatherers and crafters. I've done basically every meaningful meaningful uh, piece of side content in that in that game. Like I'm I'm ready for Shadowbringers. I'm ready for the next expansion. Yeah. But what I'm not ready for. Mm-hmm. What I'm not ready for is the fact that they added Viera to the game. Yeah. And it's gender locked. Yeah, and the lion people are gender locked too. Yeah, the, yeah, that's the thing is they added Ronzo, which I guess is a, a and FF14 is my only Final Fantasy game. I know basically yep. nothing like unless it's a character who cameos in FF14 somewhere, I don't know anything about them. Yep. Uh like Ronzo I think is a race of like cat people from FF10. I that's cr- that's correct. Um okay. their designs in 14 look pretty different. I'm not sure if they're intended to be like the same race or if they're just supposed to be similar or if they're, well, there's like, a thing where like a subset so, or what's going on so so spoiler because but like the next expansion involves you going to what is effectively another dimension okay there's a whole thing that's called like the first and then there's the source which is the world you live on and then there's reflections like there's 13 other dimensions some of which have already been destroyed it's a whole it's a whole fucking thing and yeah. in the other dimension all the races have different names and in the other dimension they're called the ronzo Okay. So in the um, source, they're called the Hrothgar, which I think is like a Norse thing having something to do with wolves. Yeah, uh, I think it is, actually. That name sounds really familiar. Uh, but, like, part part of what has people so upset is that, like, the Ronzo don't even have the thing that the Viera have, or, like, the Viera, you've, like there's never... It's by the fact that male Viera have existed in the lore, they've never been seen, and they're supposedly really rare. Which isn't an excuse, because that's also the lore for some of the races... In FF14, that already yeah, have you see like a million mother- of those motherfuckers running around. So yeah, supp- like supposedly the cat boys are rare, and they are far and away the the thing you will see the most of in the game. Ever like just about everybody wants to be cats. Yeah, uh, but like they they added the Ronzo, and it, it and the thing is, it, it, the the thing with the hot the Hrothgar is it feels like not only did they just add this other thing so they could add like. Uh, something for men to play without actually having to make a sexy male bunny character. But like, it looks an awful lot like the, and, and I know this isn't the easiest thing in the world. Like it, this would still be difficult because game development is always harder than people think it is, but it really does just look like they took the basic frame of the Rogadins, which is the big beefy race of the male Rogadins and just stuck some cat things on it. Yeah. I kind of, I got that impression a little bit. Like, people said they were, it's like, oh, they're just like the dudes from Final Fantasy X. And I looked at them and I'm like, those don't look like the dudes from Final Fantasy X. Which I personally don't have a problem with. I'm not super attached to the to the Ronzo. But yeah. Well, that's and that also weird. actually kind of ties into yet another reason why, why the gender locking the Vera is kind of sucks. Is like, it doesn't matter that how that that's how they were in FF12. This is your version of them. Yeah, or you Final know. Fantasy Tactics Advance or Final Fantasy Tactics Advance too. Yeah, like and, and like th- those weren't even consistent between them, were they? Um, I feel like they were largely consistent, actually. Okay, I, I feel like that. I feel like that they actually did do that, but like a couple of things about this, right? First thing, no one gives a shit. Um, and the second thing 
is, and this is the more important one, people play Final Fantasy XIV and a huge ad for a bunch of reasons, but one of the most important reasons is people like to play Pretty Princess Dress Up in that game. Yes. Like, that's not even me shit-talking that game. People will say that of people just like people like to take their character and dress them up in pretty clothing. That's actually like, one of the one of the things that makes the game so successful and so good is there are there are a wide variety of quote unquote end games, you know. Yeah. And, and like the in game housing is, you know, an end game you an can, end game you can lean towards. Itself. Yeah. And like just yeah, just playing dress up. There's that game has a lot of options for glamouring shit. Yeah. And people don't like being locked out of options or being perceived or perceiving something as being locked out. And like, yeah. And, and speaking speaking of the glamour system, this this actually feeds into another reason this has people so pissed off. Not just on the face of it, but it's also indicative of a of a pattern that that the that the FF14 team has been has been a problem that they've been having, and it seems to be a problem with Scranix as a whole, really. Uh, is this idea like and and really it's a problem with the MMO genre is this idea of rampant and overblown sexual dimorphism yeah like like the previous new race that they added was a race that was added with heavensward the first expansion is this race of dragon people and the men are like big and monstrous and they like have lizard eyes and they their their hair goes fucking everywhere and it's wild and then the dragon girls are small and wayfish like, and yeah like super lithe and it's like what they basically just look like the cat girls, but with different accessories and like scales instead of fur. Yeah, yeah, basically, and like, and that's a problem. And then so, like, they add this, and it's it's the double whammy of they're both not willing to let the men be small and cute, and they're not willing to let the women be big and monstrous. Wait, you don't think Lalafell are cute? Well, they're cute. I, 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 I guess I should use the word sexy. Let's say that. <laughs> okay, that's wait. You don't think the Lalafell are sexy? I mean, are you into potatoes? I don't have to answer that question. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, and actually there was a story, and, and actually after after this whole debacle came out, I something I found out about. So during my time playing, and I was super happy when this happened, due to fan pressure, so there, you can get a sexy bunny girl outfit in the game. Uh, it's the costume worn by the attendants in the gold saucer, which is like... Yeah, the, I remember this, actually. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like the fake casino in the world, which is where a lot of the minigames happen. Yep. And so you can get a sexy Barnacle costume. And one of the things that, after constant fan pressure for years and years, a couple patches ago, they added the ability to uh, let male characters wear the sexy bunny suit. Yeah. A lot of the gear in the game is still gender-locked, though, but at yes. least they, they made the bunny suit because people specifically requested the bunny suit. I guess they didn't get across the fact that, like people don't want to have their gear gender restricted. Like, it fucking sucks. It's really... Because, again, the one of the end games and one of the most popular end games in this game is fashion, and people want to be able to wear whatever they want. Yeah. But so what I found out is that behind the scenes, a lot of the usual art team, like, and, and like 3D modelers, mm-hmm. were, were dudes, and they, they, they didn't want to actually put the bunny suits on the men because it made them uncomfortable, so they, like, <laughs> brought in some women to pinch hit and get the job done. Wait, are you fucking serious? That's, like, I don't know, that's the story I heard. I don't know how accurate it is, but fucking okay. I believe it. I would be- enough pe- Enough people say it as if it's fact that I get, and, and these are people who've been playing the game a lot longer than I have and are more involved in the community than I am, so. I, I would believe it, but I prefer to kind of have a higher bar before decisively stating something. Not that I think you're a non-credible source, obviously. Like, I yeah. can believe Square does something like that very, very easily because I don't hold that company in very high regard. But without like solid confirmation, yeah. But I'm, maybe, but I mean the point is, it, 
even if that's not the case, the, the fans had to pull teeth for years and years to be yeah, able to put exactly. the men in the sexy outfit. Yeah. And, and even then, just the one. Yeah. And and you'd kind of think that given the response, because this isn't a new thing. This has been a common complaint with a lot of people for a long time. And you'd think that after that, they'd be like, okay, maybe we shouldn't have like the next races or race be gender locked. Because you know if they only announced one new race... But you had both male and female options for him. No one would give a shit. Yeah. I'm no sure one would, would be care. people that would be disappointed that, oh, yet again, we didn't get Vieira. But, like, if they just announced Ronzo and you then like, you just had men and women, it's like, oh, hey, cool. You know, fucking Ronzo, sick. Yeah, and you know? you'd have the people whining that the Vieira aren't in the game, but those people have been whining since literally, like, the launch of that fucking game. So, like, whatever. Who yeah. gives a shit? And, you know, but, I mean, I'd be upset because, you know, I'm obsessed with rabbits and I want to be able to play a rabbit person. Yeah. But, like... You know, you, fucking whatever. Ron's was yeah, I was about to say, but you'd get over it in about 0.5 seconds. Yeah. But, like, right. it, it's got to kind of suck for the Final Fantasy fourteen team, though, because they were like, oh, we weren't, they announced they were probably weren't going to put any more races in the game or whatever. And then they were probably thinking, oh, we'll, we'll surprise the fan base. We're going to put in more options and they'll love it. And then they announce it and people are like, what the fuck are you doing? So... On the one hand, I f- on the one hand, I don't know how blindsided they were by this. Apparently, they were pretty blindsided. So, so on the one hand, I, 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 so one one thing I've seen is that people, I, I guess when they revealed Vieira initially and only revealed women, a lot of people started as uh, uh, the fandom initially assumed, oh well, they just like maybe just the men aren't done yet. Like I don't think they understood because like the guy, yeah, the or, guy. Or- or that Vera have always they've always historically been women in the past. They want to use the most recognizable ones in marketing materials. Something right. like that. And and the thing is because because the guy who's basically been running the show, Yoshi P, the guy who's largely credited with dragging the, the game from the depths out of, of the, the hell that was one point oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, famously took the gender locked races that were there in one point and ungender locked. Like I mentioned the catboys. Yeah. There didn't used to be catboys and there didn't used to be lady uh, Rogadins, which again are the the big beefy race, and also that also kind of feeds into the dimorphism uh, thing because like the 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 male Rogadins are like monstrously huge; they're like bodybuilders, and the lady Rogadins are just kind of they're just kind of tall and buff a little bit. They're they're toned; yeah. they're not really huge per se. Um, but I mean, whatever. Yeah, uh, but it's like it was better than what it used to be. So yeah, yeah it's, it's better than what it used to be, and like. Like, people are like, surely they're not – like, everyone – like They're not going to make this – yeah, they're not going to make this fucking mistake again. Yeah, yeah, That's just, an amateur hour mistake. Yeah, and, and nearly everybody in the that. community – like, anytime, like, someone – like, one of the big, like, FF14 YouTubers was was making, like, fan fest predictions, like, surely, surely we'll see Mail Vieira. They'd have to be crazy, you know, not to, to, yeah, to not do it. it. It would be like Capcom not putting a newcomer from Street Fighter V into Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. There's no way they could do that. That's just yeah. fucking stupid. <laughs> God, speaking of... God, Jesus. did we ever get to talk about Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite on this podcast? I'm pretty sure uh, we did, right? I feel like we probably mentioned it in passing. I don't know if we ever talked about it at length. God, God that, that was fucking... a shit show. And you know what sucks the most about that? I actually like that game's mechanics. I actually think it's a pretty good game mechanically. Um, I prefer like BB Tag, but like MVCI is actually a good game. Actually, that that reminds me, we need to get you uh, on on TWA soon 
because yeah. there's that new Power Rangers fighting game that's like a budget title. It's like 20 bucks. It yeah. has Justin Wong's involved, which is a name Justin I recognize Wong's, because I've heard yeah. you say that name like 5,000 times. 500 million times, yeah. Justin yeah. Wong was involved. Um, I'm and by all accounts, sure. that game mechanically is super fun to play, but it's super hurt by like bad yeah. graphics and a tiny roster. There's like nine yes. characters. Yes, but here's the thing about that game. That game's 20 bucks. Yeah. Which is, there's a big difference between a $20 video game and a $60 video game. Expectations are a thing. And that game, the people making that game very wisely realized there is no fucking way we will ever compete with the big boys for $60. Let's just make it a budget game, which is a yeah. much, much, much smarter route to take. Now, yeah, whether do, that'll... Do whether I that'll, wish yeah. the, the Power Rangers game was better as someone who's kind of a casual Power Rangers fan, like someone who really only cares about the series because he does a podcast? Do I wish it was better? Absolutely. Is 20 bucks for, you know, a game that's lacking some features, is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you know? like that's the thing, right? You know you're not buying a AAA game. You know it probably is going to – its production values are bad. It's pro- it's not going to have any of the nice, like, sanded edges. It's going to be rough. But the people making that game realized that fact, and they priced it accordingly. Like, it's $20. It is yeah. a third the price of Dragon Ball Fighter Z out of the gate. Like – there you fucking go. Yeah. Now, whether so, that'll convert into commercial success remains to be seen, but I, I think the asking price for that game is reasonable. Also, that yeah. game looks really fun. Yeah. And also, honestly, it's probably going to go on sale at some point. And oh, yeah. Like it'll, definitely. It, yeah. And at that point, it'll just be a super cheap impulse buy, really. Uh, anyway, kind of getting back to like the, the notion of fan expectations. Uh, so... Do you want to hear kind of a because again I've been I've been steeped in the Final Fantasy fandom because again I hyper fixate uh, when I get into a game I've been I've been against my better judgment and mostly as a result of being bored at work I've been uh, following the FF14 subreddit oh, which God. which I do not recommend doing <laughs> because um, it's probably bad because it's a Reddit although yeah. there is there is actually. You want to hear a funny side story and go on a tangent just real quick? Sure. I, I mean, we're I, we're so deep into layers of tangents, and we do have to get to Shik Hyderabad at some we point. Do have, but, but yeah. like, it's a but funny story about how I upgraded my processor, and I bought it from a guy named Darth Vapor sixty nine off of Reddit. Nice. God. That's that is and, a that is a fantastic username. Hey, in fairness's name, he it shipped just fine. It arrived in fanta- it arrived exactly in the advertised condition. It put it in, it worked great. I I recommend the guy. Like he did everything he was supposed to and like yeah. So You hit it here Dar- first. That's that's our Darth Vapor 69 gets an official endorsement from the TWA crew. No, he go won't steal your money. the other podcast. <laughs> for the GPS seal of approval. <laughs> I can't even remember the name of our own fucking podcast. Jesus yeah. <laughs> Christ. Okay, sorry. But so anyway. so so deep in the Reddit, like there's been this conspiracy theory going around that they knew that the reaction would be bad, but they took advantage of the fact that the the fan fests were scheduled in order North America, then Europe, and then Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, let's reveal that there's gender lock races in Tokyo, because Japanese audiences are a lot less likely to vocally boo us on stage. <laughs> Do you think if we, if we, if we like that's that's the conspiracy theory that's going around is that Do they knew what was going to happen and they're like listen 
if we do this in Tokyo, we're we're going to avoid that shit that happened with like Diablo Immortal or whatever it was. I, like we don't I we don't want heart- we don't want some like like listen listen we don't like we don't want to do this in Paris and have some like English jackass fucking get up on the stage and ask us you want mate you know like out of like out of date April Fool's joke is it like God. we don't want that so we do you, you know think they would have gotten booed though. I don't think they would have gotten booed for that. If this was if this if this if they'd revealed this at the North American one in Vegas, absolutely. You think the so? Par- the, the European one in Paris, probably too. But okay. definitely, if they'd have revealed it in the states, oh, they okay. would have been booed so fucking hard. Because like, because and and, that- and this kind of ties into uh, uh, kind of another thing that that's that marinating in this whole in this whole stew is that a huge part, and I mean a huge part of the Final Fantasy XIV fandom, is kind of tying into the whole, like, fact there's a shitload of catboys running around, and that, and that like, one of the most popular versions of the endgame is dress-up. There is a huge subset of the of the fandom and the community that is that is queer, yeah, uh, and is just LGBT folks all over the place, and they seem so hesitant to embrace it. Like, they gave their blessing to a, a, a gay pride parade float in Australia, but that wasn't something they initiated. That was something, like, some fans wanted to do, and they said, yeah, cool, go for it. And that's yeah. kind of been it. I think I think exactly one time in a single side quest, two canonically gay characters show up, and they're literally just, like, their whole dialogue is like, hey, hey uh, we're we need, here, to, we need, to, we need to save some tonberries. We, like, we sympathize with them as under, misunderstood outcasts, because we're also misunderstood outcasts. These two random homosexual characters that give you this that unlock this dungeon for you and then you will never see us again yeah you know? and it's like also we're gay bye <laughs> yeah that's, that's, I mean, that's pretty it, much it i mean it could be worse it could definitely be worse but it yeah it could absolutely it, be worse but like yeah it's it's weird that this whole thing they, is cropped up and they just won't embrace yeah, it yeah it, it feels less like they're homophobic or whatever to me and this is just my read i'm firing completely from the hip here it feels less like they're homophobic or whatever and more just they literally don't know how to engage with that community and they're kind of just like deer in the headlights whenever the shit comes up and they're like i don't maybe I don't fucking know like and, i don't know and, and this and this is something we'll probably get into in, in a bit here but like you know, I I'm not super familiar with the inner workings of Square, and I don't know how much of this is the FF14 team specifically, and how much of this is a problem with is, the company. Yeah, or, if it's like or just higher ops, or, or is like, it or is it just like here. the games industry as a whole, or even just like the subset of specifically the Japanese game dev industry? Like, like although there, although I can't I can't blame it entirely on on the Japanese branch because like there's a character I love uh, named Harshifant, mm-hmm. and he. He basically like the, the the deal with him is he is in love with the main character. He's in love with the player character, um, pretty explicitly so, uh, regardless of what race or gender you're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is much more overt in every version except the English localization. Huh. And they like they they initially toned it down. Like the the story they told is that they initially thought that he was going to be a minor character, so they toned it down. And then like when they realized, oh shit, the the main team is making him more and more of a major character. They started to make him like gradually more flirtatious, but it is way more subdued um, in the English version. And the speculation is, you know, they're, they're worried that like, you know, some dude might feel uncomfortable. that This other dude is hitting on him despite I, I, it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I, I love Harshafon. I do uh, just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole weird thing. God square. Yeah. Square Enix. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah. Do we, uh, I guess we got to get to the Shik Hydra bot now. Um, I actually, you talking about Square and weird corporate bullshit just reminded me of something. And we'll talk about the Shik Hydra bot after this. But I want to talk have about to, yeah, some we, other we got, robots. We got to settle the score. I, yeah, like we're, we get, we're getting set. close to the time. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know it's important, but this is also important because it's also related to robots. Square Enix released a game called Left Alive. Okay, so I've had Albino explain this to me. Yes, but for the sake of the listener, can you just can you just explain the whole thing with Le- with Left Alive because it's a whole shebang. <sighs> Left Alive is an open world, semi open world, like survival game that takes place during the not Yugoslav ripped from the headlines wars, and it takes place in the front mission universe, and there are giant robots, and so there's some political intrigue, and. Some Wait, so what, what's the on. deal with Front Mission? Okay, so Front Mission is an alternate future set on Earth, um, giant robots, lots of, like, ethnic and, like, uh, political conflicts, um, kind of, like, sort of ripped from the headlines. It's actually really depressing how relevant and prescient a lot of the social commentary in Front Mission games were, in hindsight, actually. Uh, but they're they're like tile like turn based strategy games basically think like okay. Final Fantasy Tactics something like that. So so is depressingly prescient politics. Are we talking like Metal Gear Solid two levels or? Yeah, we're we're talking like Metal Gear Solid, which is actually one of the reasons I didn't mind the change in like tone in this sort of game. Um, be, or not change in tone, change change in genre. So this game. So the thing that makes talking about this game difficult is the game is such a fucking mess. I kind of have to try and infer what the dev team was going to do with this game. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on Left Alive, but I I think what they were going for was it's not necessarily a straight-up stealth game. It is a coward game where you are trying to avoid combat at all costs including using, like, random non-combatants as distractions slash human shields to navigate through areas. Because you are not necessarily playing super great people. Because, like, you you are just random fucking people in this war zone where there are 30-foot-tall robots and an ethnic cleansing going on. You do not want to be the guy who gets caught out in the middle of the road. And I actually really like that idea and concept. In execution... Yikes. Uh, you probably saw the general response and reaction to that game, I'm assuming. I've seen the reaction, but I've seen none of the game myself or looked into specifics. All I know okay. is the reaction was bad. Okay. Think, uh, think generally. It was kind, think, broadly speaking, just think Metal Gear Solid 4, but bad. That's probably the closest analog. So just a shitload of cutscenes, but they suck? Uh, shitload of cutscenes, and they, they suck. Um, the acting's not bad, but the script is all over the fucking place. Um, the game is hilariously fucking broken. Um, the AI just does not function at all. Um, the, the mech combat sections in the, that are in a stealth game, for some reason, are terrible. The stealth is also terrible. The game was kind of rightfully critically savaged. I don't think it was as bad as some people made it out to be, but it was certainly not good. And this release is very surprising, and the fact that it was bad was surprising to me, because there was a lot of fucking talent making this game. And apparently it was made over a, a pretty long period of time, too. Yeah, so, like, so weren't, 
what were the what were the big names attached to this? Because I know like one of them was a Metal Gear Solid person. Yeah. Well, you had the art. You had the like art designer from the Metal Gear Solid from like Metal Gear Solid Four. I want to say specifically, which had really great art. Um, and some of the art in Left Alive is actually very good as well. You had former. You had like the former director of like the Armored Core series working on like the Mech Combat. You had like some of like the Xeno Gears or either Xeno Gears or Xeno Saga team working on like the script. Um, you had some, I can't remember the other people, but there were some other big names as well coming out of Square. Um, you had, like, one of the mech designer guys was one of the guys who worked on, like, some of the original Gundam series. They got big fucking names heading up this project. Yeah, this holy game shit. Is, and this game is terrible. It's bad. And I say this as a person who's more lenient with this game because at least I like what it's trying to do. And now, it's just, what's up? Now, that now that's a weird thing because, like... So, we, we we could talk at length, um, and, and we won't because we do need to get to Shik Hydrobot, but yep. we could talk at length about how the games industry and games media and games culture overemphasizes the auteur. Yes. You know, like, pretends that games are made by, like, a single yeah, visionary single person. person. Yeah. And, like, yeah, and technically there's other manpower, but whatever. Like, this guy ran the show. He, he did basically everything. Everybody else is just muscle. They're just workhorses. Yeah. But, like... When you tell me that like each individual subset is being run by a person who's like famous for that, like yeah, we got a we got a robot design expert to design the robots. We got yeah, we like, got the, the guy who's working on the mech combat. He's been making mech combat games for fifteen fucking years. We got fucking Gundam. There's no bigger franchise out there with giant robots than Gundam, baby. Like. We got, hey, we, and we got fucking Metal Gear Solid art direction. Like, hey, yeah. just say what you want about Metal Gear Solid 4. Like, that game was fucking pretty. Yeah, that, yeah, there was a lot of things wrong with that game, but the art direction sure as fuck wasn't it. Like, it, and and it's one thing for the game to come out and be, like, mediocre or, like, yeah. average. And listen, right? and this is, this is being made by Square fucking Enix. You know Enix. Square fucking Enix. We'll spend yeah. forever finishing a game. Yeah. And, like, it came out, and it was, t- it's terrible. It's just... It's one of those games where you look at the people who were involved, you look at the company that was involved, and you go, how did it get this fucking bad? And this kind of comes on the tail end of a spew of releases from Square Enix that, and decisions from Square Enix that are just fucking baffling. Like, you had The Quiet Man, right? The Quiet Man was also a fucking train wreck, Ugh. but at least with that game, the, the Quiet was Man me- was was David Cage esque in its everybody look at this train wreckiness. Yes, except it actually played worse than a David Cage game somehow. That is an achievement. Yes, and it didn't just play like slightly worse; it played like way worse because at least you can kind of ignore the gameplay in David Cage's games. There wasn't no ignoring the gameplay in The Quiet Man. Oh boy. Uh, but, like, you had the Quiet Man, right? You have, like, the weird fuck-up, amateur hour fuck-up with Final Fantasy fourteen. You have the hilariously broken PC Dissidea port, where the ranked mode is just fuck. the netcode is broken and the rankings are so busted, you can just go into the Steam, like, files and just edit a fucking plain text thing to just change your rank to whatever the fuck you want it to be. Holy shit. Yeah. You have the Final Fantasy 15 announcement of, hey gamers, tune in next week for the big Final Fantasy announcement. You don't, be sure not to miss it. People tune in, 
Final Fantasy 15's over. No more support for future development. Goodbye. Yeah, we're that finishing the, the thing. We're finishing the thing that's almost done, and then that's it. And then that, that's it. We're done. Bye. All the other DLC we promised done. The guy who the guy who we brought in to salvage this fucking train wreck a few years ago, and is basically the only reason this thing ever made it out the door. Kicking him to the curb. Yep, he's gone. Peace. And it's just like the the last thing that's going to happen with that game is going to be like the crossover back with FF14. And it's going to be a temporary event that lasts like a month. Yeah. And like, that's, I guess that's fine in a way, but like, why the fuck would you like hype up the announcement for that shit? Yeah. That's something you were, that's like a press release you release on like a Tuesday in like text. This is, this is the meatball hitting the bottom of the hill. And like the, the earlier parts of it were like the whole thing of like, fuck, we got to fund FF15. So yeah. we need the Western developers that we have working for us to sell a hajillion copies of Tomb Raider and a billion copies of Hitman. Oh, which yeah. Which was Tomb- never going to happen. Tomb- the newest Tomb Raider was really underwhelming, too. I forgot about that. God damn. Oh, also they added uh, DRM protection to Final Fantasy X and X2 on Steam for some fucking reason after the game's been out on Steam for like over 18 months. Why? No one's no no one knows. Mm. It, it, it broke all the fan mods. <laughs> That's great. And since the game's been out for 18 fucking months, you can just pirate it like immediately, easily. I would I don't recommend it or endorse that by the way, but they what why 18 months after fucking release do you decide to add DRM? I don't Why? know. I don't like, know. Actually, and- you, you, you want to know a dumb Steam thing? I Kind of doubling back to FF14. A thing that didn't used to be the case, but is going to be the case soon. Mm-hmm. If you bought the game through Steam, you have to be logged into Steam to like to open it. Like it's going to – like when you log in to FF14, it's going to check to make sure you also have a connection to Steam. And what that means for me personally is if I decide to play it and it's, you know, and Steam's down because, say, it's a Tuesday, and that always happens on Tuesdays, because Valve, because Valve, it's like, well, I better hope I'm already logged into Final (laughs) Fantasy by the time that happens, otherwise I'm locked out for the day. Yup. Just, and all of these things alone, it would be like, oh, well, a company did a stupid thing, but the Square Enix, it's so fucking consistent. Oh god, the development trouble with Final Fantasy VII. Like apparently they're just they have they they were like fourteen months into development on that game and they were like we don't like it we're starting over. And which just, which is something you can pull when you're a Nintendo. That's not something you can pull when you're Square. Yeah, well I guess and you actually can and actually this, this the thing did. is like didn't didn't Nomura find out he was directing that game when everyone else did. I can't remember, and it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Because like there was there was a whole thing where they were like, "Hey, we're remaking Final Fantasy VII," and Nomura's directing it, and like he was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, and he's like, "Excuse me, we're we're doing what?" And let's not forget the only reason Final Fantasy fourteen is like decent now is because a Square Enix suit literally liked a an intern's elevator pitch for the game. Yoshi P was just like a random fucking intern was like who like found a higher up in an elevator and was literally just like hey I think I have some good ideas for this and they're like fuck it we literally have no ideas what we're doing you go ahead and take the reins and if you fuck it up we'll pin all the blame on you yeah and then it as it turns out that fucking dude random intern in the elevator was like the fucking miracle man 
and managed to turn around yeah. one, completely turn around one of the biggest fucking fuck-ups I've ever seen from a major AAA game. And, and I know we just said earlier about how the game game industry and game culture g- tends to give too much credit to a single person, but this is kind of a special case because it's really hard to overstate just how yeah. much of a shit show he inherited and yeah. just how much he course-corrected that fucking thing. Every once in a while, there will actually, like, Greatest Man History is virtually always bullshit in almost every single context, but every once in a while, there will be an instance where a single person really does change the tide, and that was very much what happened with Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. It also happened with the other M, except in the other way around, where it was <laughs> one person basically sabotaging the fuck out of his own game project unknowingly. Ooh, Whoops. Yeah. yeah. You want to you talk about that a little bit? I, th- I feel like we talked about that before, but... The other M? Oh, God. What At this point, like, what else even needs to be said about that fucking game? Uh, okay. I even kind of like the other M, but, like... But, hey, yeah. say what you want about Nintendo. They, they realized that they didn't know what the fuck they were doing with the Metroid series, which is beyond baffling to me, because, like, there are tons of good indie Metroidvanias just doing what Metroid does, basically, really well. Like, Hollow Knight and, like, Outland and tons and tons of others. So the fact that they're like, we don't know what to do with Metroid is just, like, of all series? Really? Metroid? After you made, like, 15 or, not 15, but, like, five, like, really, really, really good games during the GameCube? Whatever. But whatever, they got retro back. It is weird how Nintendo just decides they don't know what to do with the series anymore. I mean, admittedly, part of this was, was on Miyamoto specifically, but, like... At some point, they just decided, why make another F-Zero? Yeah, and it's like... And I was like, fuck you, make another F-Zero, though. Yeah, and everyone's... And they're like, because where do we go from here? And it's like, I... I, And I feel really conflicted about this, right? Because F-Zero GX was fantastic. It It was. was really... It was so good. Oh, God, you, you want to talk about being pissed off about the decisions of a video game company decades later... (laughs) <laughs> fucking Sega tearing apart Amusement Vision after they'd only made three games, and they are three of the best games ever made. I forgot. What what games did they make? Super Monkey Ball, Super Monkey Ball 2, F-Zero GX. That is, to my knowledge, oh my the full God. extent of their oeuvre. And wow. that they batted a fucking thousand during that short period of time, man. So they made, like, three of the best games from that generation, then? Yeah. Cool. Good to know. And then Sega Thanks, restructured, and they Sega. were gone. God. Oh, God, that's like Capcom losing Clover. Actually, speaking God, of God, except losing- except unfortunately, the people from Amusement Vision didn't like take their ball, go home, and make their own company. I think yeah, no, like, they, they it was fought. like they weren't disbanded. As far as I know, none of those people were fired. They just restructured the company, so all the teams got rearranged. Yeah, it's like it just, yeah, and it just wasn't the same after. God. Man, Capcom really did. God, up t- speaking bad of speaking of series that need to come back, Sega. When the, like you don't even have to make a new one. Put fucking you know the that deluxe thing that's like Monkey Ball one and two together. Just put that on fucking Steam and on PS4 or something. Like you can Monkey put it Ball. on like everything. You can run that on like a fucking toaster nowadays. Just yeah. Put have the Monkey Ball games like ever gotten ports? Uh, not in a long time. I, I they got they got ported to. They, that collection I'm talking about was ported to PS2 and 360. I don't think they've been ported to anything else. Like, they've gotten sequels. Like, the, there was that Wii game. I think it was called, like, Banana Blitz or something. It had motion controls and a jump button. And who knows yeah. what the fuck's going on with that? Like, that... Eh. 
Like, there, like there really hasn't been a good monkey ball. Like, again, discounting the collection that was really just one and two mashed together, there really hasn't been a good monkey ball game since two. And there have been a handful of them, but, like, just nothing comes close to those. Yeah, I, I want to say some of those games were okay, some of those games were really bad, but... God. Well, yeah, the- they Sega kept cranking out uh, fucking monkey ball games. I think there was, like, a motion sensor one for the iPhone or something? Some some oh, kind of some kind of mobile monkey ball, I think. And yeah, just release like Monkey Ball three, you fucks, and make it good. Gotta add that stipulation. Yeah, and if you can't, if you can't manage that, just fucking give us a good port of one and two. Yeah, for fucking real. It's yeah. weird with Sega because it seems like Sega's kind of finally realized their niche, and their niche is we don't know what we're doing with anything. We just need to hire other people to do shit yeah. for us. And listen, while we're shooting for the moon, hey, you know. Re-release that one and two collection and like add net play. Yeah, so you can just, just play fun. multiplayer together. Play the mini games together. Play even even just the the thing where you just play the single player mode, but you take turns, fucking Mario One style. That's good too. Yeah, like let let let, let, let us watch each other try and like you you can turn it into like a game of chicken or something. Beat this level and see if the next person can do it. God, Sega, please, Sega, please. Sega, like God. Oh, oh God! Oh God! On the subject of Sega, and I know, I know, on the subject of terrifying CGI monstrosities, we got to get to the Chick Hydro bot. We got to get to the Chick Hydro bot, but yeah, we we will always make time. We will always make time to shit on game companies, though. But like uh, the Sonic movie, though. Yeah. Oh. I don't like. I don't. It's not as bad as it could be. Do we know that though? I, so we theoretically, we haven't actually that. seen a final render. I actually have a personal theory. This is my personal conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anybody else say this. I'm saying this. Okay. I think that each of these leaks are actually elaborate focus testing until they try to get like a look for the character that everyone will tolerate. <laughs> <laughs> like I think every time oh, I, I think every time like a, a silhouette or or like a fake ad copy or something like like quote unquote leaks and we get a look at the character and everybody freaks out the, a little bit. They send it back to like the computer team's like okay, just make these adjustments to the model. And like I get that it's a pain in the ass because they have to like do more pre production and stuff. But like they're like it's like this movie's gonna be fucking coming in hot because they're gonna be trying to like you know you know that they're that they're sending this through focus groups and it's like oh god oh god we have to try and save this in the editing room fuck you know it's yeah just, like that ah oh, that movie. Even from the premise, from the very beginning, in the early days, they were saying, like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a story where Sonic is in the real world and he teams up with a cop. And it's, like, instantly. Instantly you knew it was, it's, like... like Yeah. If, it's like, like, even even if they changed... Even if at some point they had changed the premise, and by all accounts they have not, but even if they had, you like, you look at that and you're like, if that's their initial pitch that they felt was good enough to share with the public to try and, and drum up interest to get the ball rolling with an investor or something... Yeah. You're already like, fucked. Yeah, like, as a pitch, it's like, that sounds terrible. Yeah, what? there's there's, there's no way you can, oh, just, mm. Yeah. Fucking, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't think, or I'm, I'm hoping, rather, it's not going to be as bad as everyone thinks it is, but... I'll be the first to admit there's also not a terribly large reason to be optimistic I'm, here. See, here's the thing. I feel like at this point, the best we can hope for is an entertaining train wreck. Yeah. 
Like if it is that. if it is bad in an entertaining way, if we you know, if we true to the Sonic style, if we basically just get, you know, Sonic's version of the of the first Mario movie. And I have to say first, because apparently there's an animated Mario movie coming down the pipe. Uh that the the, the fucking uh Illumination's making, the fucking minions people are making that. Oh, God. Uh, they've 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 also made a a couple of all right things. Like I remember yeah, I liking mean, Horton Hughes Who. Yeah, and the first Despicable Me movie is pretty good, actually. Like that's that's the movie that put them on the map. That movie is good. They are. I don't know what happened with Illumination, but like they were a really promising animation studio that basically released a couple of really promising, like decent movies, and then immediately just sold the fuck out and started cranking out unlimited fucking minions shit. Well, I mean, the minions were a massive fucking smash. Like, I, 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 I mean, I was about like, they're basically the same thing that happened with Rayman and the rabbits. Cause, oh, yeah, cause let's face God. it. The minions and the rabbits are literally the same characters. That's not fair. The minions look like horrible little butt plugs. And I, hate that's, them. that's true. Well, in terms of their characterization, they're identical. The, yeah, uh, that's fair. But also uh, actually speaking of the rabbits. So, uh, peek behind the curtain. We're recording this on April fool's day. We are. And there was a thing today for honor. And here's the thing. Folks, game companies, if you're gonna if you're gonna do a thing for April Fool's Day, you better fucking do it. If you announce that you're making a dating sim spinoff, I better be able to play that shit right now. For Honor did a thing where it's where for where April Fool's Day today, it's For Honor plus Rabbits. They replace a bunch of the like the supporting AIs in the battle because that's how For Honor works. Yeah, they're, they're just fucking rabbits. They they replaced all the like little shitty foot soldiers with rabbits. Yeah, and I don't know if anything changed mechanically or if it's literally just a reskin. But you know, what? even if it's just a reskin, that's a hilarious thing to do for April Fool's Day. And the fact that they actually did it instead of just making a fake trailer, like that's fucking great. It is like um, more their, shit like that. Yeah, their April Fool's joke for Rainbow Six was really good as well. Um, where they released a gimmick game mode that takes place on like the Air Force One plane map. Um, except everything looks like toys, and it's just, like, shitty and plasticky and awful and gaudy. They also released a line of new skins, one of which might be my favorite skin in the entire game, and it is Princess Blackbeard, who is the Navy SEAL operator on the offense side. He's, like, a big, like, buff, like, gruff-looking Navy SEAL dude, and it changes his, like, fairly sensible, like, desert tactical, like, desert, like, soldier outfit into a bright pink gaudy mess where he has a horrible shitty man bun. That's and really it is good. amazing. I mean it's horrible. It's absolutely fucking awful, but it's amazing. All and right. I really want that outfit, but alas, loot boxes. I, I will say, um by the same token of like I uh the, the, the dating something wasn't a random example because that's what Rivals of Ether did. Mm-hmm. Uh that uh that indie game that's like so there's there's been a number of indie games that are trying to be like off-brand Smash Brothers. Yes. Which is, you know, and and really more heavily catering to like the competitive scene cuz until fairly recently with Ultimate that's kind of a scene that Nintendo themselves ignored. So there was a market there. Uh and by all accounts Rivals of Ether is I as I understand it the most popular and successful of those. Uh, and for April Fools, they just made a dating sim of the characters. God, was it like an actual dating sim? Which is interesting because I wasn't aware that that game had lore. Yeah, no. Apparently, that game's lore actually kind of goes deep from the stuff I've seen. Incidentally, um, which is wild for- because it's like it's a pixel art. Uh, 
uh, Smash Brothers clone that like when I think when it came out had like six characters. Yeah, there are like way more. It also has like a fuckload of crossover characters too. Yeah, how many how many crossover characters? God, let me think. It's got the protagonist from Dust, the an Elysian Tale. It's got the Hyperlight Drifter, and I think it has Shovel Knight as well. Okay, yeah, the Shovel Knight makes sense. Shovel Knight will be in anything. Yeah, uh, and the that's, other and two that, are honestly, that's not sens- a dig. Like fucking, fucking get it. You know, Yacht Club games, like fuck, like yeah, you like the, <laughs> you got it. It's an assist trophy in Smash Brothers. Yeah, that's so fucking crazy to think about. Shovel Knight made it so fucking big. Yeah, the the only other indie character that made it in, and it was another one that was there was a big push from social media to get in with Shantae, and she just got uh, she just got a spirit, she got a sticker. Yeah, like Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight's an assist trophy, and like a lot of people were like, and some people were still pissing him off. It's like, oh, but I wanted to be a character, and it's like, fuck you. This is an indie. Like, yes, there's a lot of DLC and he's a lot of cameos, but like technically, Shovel Knight has a game to his name, and he's yeah. an indie game. He's not even yeah. like a long established video game company. Like. And he still got into fucking Smash Brothers in a, yeah, like, no, in a fleshed out 3D model way. To, yeah, I was about to say, somebody, one of the Nintendo people had to model Shovel Knight. And that's not yeah. actually a bad task. And that's on top of the fact here. that he had an amiibo. Yeah, and that's like, and that's actually not a bad task to have to model Shovel Knight because he's a, it's a good character design. There's a reason people like that character. Yeah. But, like, Shovel Knight, man. Shovel Knight fucking made it. Yeah, I'm glad too. It's really good. I, Although I, here's here's the thing: the longer Shovel Knight can, itself just continues to grow and just gets more DLC and cameras and stuff, and I think I think they're done. No, now. they're I not quite done. Not they're, quite done. They're on the find the final update is coming relatively shortly. I want to say it is the King of Cards expansion for, and that will add the final playable character in the game, who is the uh, the King Knight, who is my favorite of the knights in that game. Actually, so okay, I'm excited for that one. So, so here's my question: When they're finally done with that, when they can finally, they've they've released that DLC and they've they've done whatever patching they need to do because there's probably going to be bugs because games, yeah, like yeah, yeah. and and they're well and truly done with Shovel Knight. What do they do next? Do they make a Shovel Knight too? I think they do. Um, I think there's more than there with what they're setting up in the previous expansions and how they've been developing that series. There is more than ample room to expand out and make a Shovel Knight 2. They can... And there are a ton of ways they can do it. They can keep it 8-bit, they can change the characters, they can move up to, like, 16-bit. Um, they could they could focus on different characters this time around, like, maybe instead of, like, Shovel... Well, you are you should always have Shovel Knight as your baseline playable protagonist. But instead of, like, Shovel Knight, Spectre Knight, Plague Knight, King Knight, you could have, like, Shovel Knight, Shield Knight, Black Knight... Um, I don't know, random, uh, maybe like uh, Tinker Knight or something weird like that. Um, maybe the Enchantress or whatever the villain. Uh, that's Shield Knight. That's Shield Knight. Well, yeah, I know, but like it was like her alter ego. Something. What if like yes. part of the plot is they split apart? Yeah, you could you could do something like that. You could come up with entirely new characters. Um, there there are so you could do like the Phantom Swordsman. There are so many potentially. You could put Zubaz in there. <laughs> Yeah, like, one of the things Shovel Knight did really, really, really well is it, God, it you, didn't... What's up? You want to talk about fucking... You want to talk about fucking wild, uh, like, chains, like, like fucking Kevin Bacon this shit. Zubaz was a discarded uh, character design for, like, what, Street Fighter 2, something like that? Street Fighter 4, I think. Street Fighter 4, yeah. that a, a YouTube series got obsessed with, The Best Friends, Yes. Uh, and then they paid money to a Kickstarter to get him as a boss into Shovel Knight. And then Shovel and they, Knight 
ends up in Smash Brothers. And, like, Smash Brothers has Rathalos from Monster Hunter in it. And Rathalos is also in Final Fantasy XIV. Therefore, uh, Zubaz is canon to Final Fantasy XIV. Also, don't forget, that also means that Final Fantasy XIV is canon in the Saints Row universe because Zubaz crossed over with Johnny Gat and Dive Kick. That's true. That's yes. true. Yes. So, uh, fucking... So, Johnny Gat for Final Fantasy XIV. All I'm saying... <laughs> God, I can't wait for that crossover event. I, like, oh man, what is what does a fucking Saints Row twenty uh, four man raid look like? Oh God, what does that look like? Who would you even fight? <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like the ultimate prize, the the glamour, the like the the armor that you win for like that you grind the final raid for that you finally get is the ability to finally take your character's underwear off. Yeah, God, <laughs> God, oh fuck, oh, fuck. Uh, all right. Enough screwing around. I think it's finally time to talk about the Schick Hydrobot. Matt? Yeah? I have some terrible news. Yeah, what's up? We're past like an hour and ten minutes. We gotta stop. What? I, I, I'm sorry, man. Like, but like we, past, we past a certain we point, the, the podcast we is hard to listen the, to. And like, we were, listen, man, I gotta fucking edit this thing. We said we were gonna settle the score with the Schick Hydrobot. I mean, we did. Did we? The, the thing is, Matt, the score that we settled with the Schick Hydrobot was the friends we made along the way. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't I need to. The, I want to settle the score. This is not settling the score. I'm Matt, this, you, it's, it's you settled. Pr- you promised the score would be settled. Okay, Matt, what, what, what do you, like, I, again, I got to edit this thing, and if we let it go too long, it's going to be too difficult. So I'm, I'm going to give, like, what, what do you need to say? I, uh, fuck you, Schick Hydrobot. You suck. You yeah, know what? Shik Hydrobot does suck. Fuck yeah. you, Shik Hydrobot. The fucking Shik Hydrobot. Piece of shit. It had it had like a robot girl version with tits, apparently. Did it? Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't even know that. That's fucking Yeah, I've, I actually learned that from the H-Bomber guy video I mentioned up at the top. Oh my god. Yeah. Fucking Shik Hydrobot. I, you say up at the top. You said up at the top. I can't, I can't see the top. <laughs> I think that's probably where we should end this. Yeah, let's 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 wrap this up, Matt. First episode we've done in a long time, potentially the yes. last one we're ever going to do. Because yep. unlike last time, we didn't know last time was going to be, you know, potentially the last. Is yeah. there anything you want to plug? Uh, no, no. I'm going to go with no. Okay. Uh, I'm not even going to plug this podcast's Twitter because I don't remember the password anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> we've forgotten all. We almost forgot our own theme song. Yeah, we I had to double like, check and make sure I still had the the files for the intro and outro because I couldn't yeah. remember if the last episode we did was on the current computer I have or the last one that died. God. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? You, you want to get a hold of me at Mike Loves Rabbit? And hey, uh, I do a podcast called Teenagers with Attitude that we accidentally thought was this podcast for a second. Yep, there, that was my bad, uh, Matt. Uh, was an original member of that uh, of that crew, and occasionally we'll have him on. And we do still need to get you on. To yeah, talk I've got to get Power on. Rangers game. Yeah, I, I've got to get on for like the Power Rangers fighting game episode at least. Yeah, um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think that's going to do it for us. Any final thoughts? Um, man, god damn, I just really, 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 really hope we get to properly settle the score with the Shikai robot sometime. Maybe, maybe, maybe someday. 
I'll say that I honestly I think this worked out really well waiting a long time to do this because boy we had yes. a lot to talk about. Yeah, we fucking did. Yeah, I feel really good about this one. And of course because I say that it's gonna turn out the file's corrupted or something. Oh yeah, the but- file's corrupted or we post it and then just all these people from like fucking nowhere are like going pear-shaped is the shittiest podcast of all time. And it's like, who they are pr- these They people? promised a, a, a step-by-step takedown of the Schick Hydrobot. They promised the takedown of the Schick Hydrobot. I've been waiting for years, and they lied to me. Uh, yeah, oh that's it. God. So for going pear-shaped, I've been Mike. I've been Matt. And always oh, remember... No, I just remembered our outro to this fucking Yeah, you thing. forgot what it was. God Always remember... <laughs> Diddle yourself constantly. God damn it. <laughs>